Hello, and welcome to Enough Wicker, a podcast where we discuss the piquant yet comforting sitcom, The Golden Girls. I'm Lauren. And I'm Sarah. And today we're tackling the 47th episode in the series, Diamond in the Rough. Uh, talk about one that I literally always watch when it's on. I mean, that's probably not saying much, but <laughs> this one is, it's, I'd say it's in my top 10 for sure. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it part, well maybe not part most of this is probably because jake is super hot <laughs> yeah he's the most attractive man ever on the show it, besides george clooney maybe <laughs> right exactly but george clooney's kind of a baby right like jake's a man like dorothy admires his chest right like he is a man this isn't like you can have the boy kind of stuff you know <laughs> like he uh yeah he is he is a sexier man than burt reynolds i'll say it i'm sorry wow yeah, that's true <laughs> But yeah, I think I like you that's... taking a bold stance. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> send your send your hate mail now if are all those Burt fans out there. So no, I just I think it's a really interesting one. I just think um, I think there's there's a lot to get into in this episode, and especially not only because of like the classist issues of this entire situation, or like the flip floppiness of like I don't know if this is a the right um, you know. Uh, relationship for me but also we have this wild you know banquet event that's happening you know uh, to frame the episode with where we end up with uh, a jazz band full of men wearing dresses so it's like there, there's <laughs> it's, it's gonna be a wild ride kids that's all I gotta say <laughs> really checks all the boxes <laughs> yeah exactly exactly so I don't know what do you think of, the, of this one besides of course agreeing that Jake's the sexiest man on the show so, yeah, I like this one. I wouldn't put it in my top. I don't even think I would put it in my top 20, to be honest. I uh. feel like it's a little, um, I like the themes a lot, like you were saying. Like, I like yeah. the classist issue and Blanche having to basically just come to the realization that she doesn't like this person in the way that everyone's telling her they should and the way that everybody else seems right. to. Um, you know, she has, she waffles on that a bit, but I'm sure we'll cover that. Um, so I like that a lot. There's some funny lines in it. It just, it doesn't, there's nothing about it that like, I just really connect to, I guess. Yeah. Um, but I do like it a lot. And I agree. I really, I, I love Jake so much. There's a couple, there's a couple funny lines in the beginning, I guess, let me back up a little bit. <laughs> this is going to be I'm one in. of those episodes where you're like, yeah, I don't like it that much. And at the end, you're like, wow, it's one of my favorites. <laughs> I feel like I do that all the time. You do. <laughs> I know. Because like, when I get back into it, I'm like, oh, actually, this is great. No, I mean, but they're all, they're all wonderful, right? You know, I mean, it's right. like, we're even going to have good things to say about emptiness. Spoiler alert, you know. <laughs> yeah, buckle up. <laughs> um, but there's so many lines. There's the, <laughs> the one line that I actually do laugh out loud a lot at is that when Rose was talking about the Hans Gerflugen yodeling quartet, yeah. and she's like, that's not true, they broke up. <laughs> oh my god, the delivery is amazing. She's like carrying something, <laughs> and she just sort of sasses her off to the side. <laughs> and the, um, the clothes in this one are really good. Both, the girls are just dressed fantastically. Blanche has like a really cool bodysuit at one time, thing, and they're, they're at the what they wear to the banquet, but also I think whoever was in charge of costuming Jake did a really good job oh, yeah. because he's wearing like a shirt with a big collar and everything fits a little bit off you know like he's he's wearing jeans with like sort of like a blazer so it's like very like I'm a working class guy yeah. in a white collar industry you know like I, I don't know I feel like it, it, it works really well yeah and then you know he gets all 
decorated when he fixes the transmission and his you know his button his <laughs> button's probably a little lower than it needs to be you know I mean it's just yeah I, I think when you were talking about <laughs> when you were talking about not maybe not having anything to personally relate to in this episode I think the reason I I do really like it and I do rank it so highly is because I do personally relate to that opening scene when he you know his first scene when he comes in and it's <laughs> I've just been in bar situations and party situations like that with like my straight single horny friends where all of us hone in on like the one dude you know and then it's just <laughs> it's not exactly like a bloodbath or anything because it's not you're not like fighting with each other and again in that scene like Rose and Blanche I'm sorry Rose and Dorothy you know they, they get a few things in in and you know now and again you know Dorothy says I admire your chest and she has that wonderful like gallant <laughs> walk you know prance over to the couch so tell me Jake um <laughs> like it's really wonderful flirting right like all around you know and Rose is just dreamy and um but it's like I, I recognize that whole moment and I recognize being Dorothy and Rose in that moment when you're like god damn it she's got him you know like yeah <laughs> when one of your friends like kind of hooks the the one guy and then you know it's like did, did it ever occur to you that i might be interested in jake <laughs> right yeah there's a couple of those instances in the um in the series a little bit later um i feel like even when al comes george oh partner, yeah they kind of have that but dorothy is the clear like emerges as the clear winner but I guess yeah but what's so funny Blanche's here and skipping ahead I mean we'll talk about it in the episode but that actually happens like between scenes we don't see that actually going on whereas here we see like Blanche is just like boom 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 when are you gonna pick me up okay <laughs> thought you never asked done <laughs> damn I'm good yeah and you know Jake is so I like the way that they have the trajectory of the Blanche and Jake romance go is great because she really just acts on impulse out of like of physical course, attraction yeah. which is we've seen her do you know like and like you're saying that's really the way it often happens right. if you're not meeting like online or something like totally. that um remember real life everybody <laughs> when you were able to <laughs> so sad <laughs> yeah go to a banquet oh and also oh my, oh my gosh to back up they're planning another charity banquet of course not only another charity banquet which by the way in the uh you know the establishing shot of the outside of course it's like the same exact banquet hall that every event that they go to is in in miami <laughs> but uh, the same fuzzy footage but they're planning a hospital charity banquet which is just like a <laughs> It's just like, why in America do we have these things? Like, why does the hospital have to um, uh, raise money? I mean, it's just, I, I hate it. Feel good story for old ladies. Yeah, exactly. Four old ladies raise money for local hospital with, surrounded by the elderly that need it all the time. I don't know. So they run themselves into the ground. <laughs> They're doing a wonderful thing, but my God. Um, yeah. But also uh, on the topic of the hospital charity banquet, out of 10 caterers, Rose didn't pick any of them? <laughs> what kind of business is going on in Miami? <laughs> She's like, man, I've been eating all day, 10 caterers. Did you find one? Not yet. <laughs> really was looking for specific taste exactly. Well, the taste level was a hot guy has to serve it because they don't even taste it. They don't even sample his wares. <laughs> until consider yourself hired <laughs> oh my god i know i know and so like she's super attracted to him 
there's, you know, like there's signs and stuff that it's not going to work. But I, again, I'm going back on exactly what I said in the beginning. Like I actually do super relate to the classes divide yeah. because, um, not to get too much into my childhood trauma here, but my parents are divorced and my mom was one of 13 kids. And so grew up, you know, relatively poor. And so like, I grew up there and then my dad is from a pretty wealthy family. And so like, I really, I truly would live in like a working class, you know, we, I was fine growing up, but a working class home most of the time. And then on Thursdays, I would go to lunch with my grandmother at the country club, no literally way. like my life when I was a kid. Yeah. And I don't think I, I obviously didn't have the language or the, um, the wherewithal the process, you know, like the, the cultural divisions there, but now as an adult, I'm like, Oh, right. Like my grandparents had a house on the beach when I grew up right? and my mom and my stepdad were always working you know, like working class jobs. So it, it, it's interesting because like, you know, Blanche is like, it's never going to work. It's never going to work. And I'm like, yeah, no, it, it's never going right. to work. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, that's such an interesting. I did not know that about you. The the country club anecdote is pretty amazing. So, <laughs> but yeah, it's, um. well, yeah, let's get into that. Like, so this whole idea of, like you mentioned earlier, like Dorothy and Rose are like, what is wrong with you? He's perfect. Which again, like, okay, let's let's talk about like the filters. Like, obviously, you're dating somebody and tell your best friends like how it's going and what he's like and all this other stuff. But like, there's still vibes that you can't pick up on if you're not on the date or one of the parties dating each other. So it's already kind of problematic <laughs> to just be like, Jake is a winner. Nothing's wrong in the relationship, right? So part of it is this classist thing you know the class not classist but like the class divide right that Blanche articulates very well and she's just like we're from two different worlds like I you know even if even though she names sort of superficial things like you know he he pushes his food with his fingers not his fork, you know all that stuff <laughs> um it, you know it, it sounds silly but to your point it's it comes from a very real place and there's a lot of different realities that are just really hard to parse if if you are from two different zones but the other part of it that i think strikes me really interestingly and again sort of a, a strike against dorothy and rose for sort of saying blanche he's a winner like what's wrong with you is you know sometimes you just can't put your finger on it but like somebody's not right for you you know it's really interesting it's like she has that line where Dorothy says like what are you looking for and she goes I I don't know but I just know it's not Jake and I think I feel like that's such a real thing <laughs> it's a very real situation um to be in you know sometimes you can't articulate it sometimes you don't have the language yeah it's the spark and the I think the thing of that's frustrating from Blanche's perspective is often and I think she is in this particular situation here is like you know you should be feeling it yes. you know this person checks all of the boxes you have on paper but it's just not oh, there yeah. and you can't you can't you know Bonnie Bonnie Raitt said it I can't make you love me you can't make <laughs> yourself love somebody else now talk about a scholarly citation I am here <laughs> for that I love it no but it's true I miss karaoke You're, yeah oh god we're just gonna like dwindle into like missing charity banquets on this episode it's just like oh god how far um no you're right and you're, and you're right it's extra frustrating not only when your two best friends are putting the pressure on but when you know that if you had to actually list out all of the qualities for the most part this person has it right it's like you're you're criticizing yourself for being too picky or something right <laughs> you just go 
crazy. It, you know, it reminds me of, um, you know, Cheryl Strayed, uh, who wrote Dear oh Sugar God, and course. continues to write Dear Sugar. Yes, exactly. Wild, Reese Wild. Witherspoon, all that stuff. So she's an incredible writer and she obviously uh, writes these letters. Uh, she is Sugar and people write to her Dear Sugar and ask for life advice. And it's the most enthralling, you know, personal spill your guts out, tell a meandering story, bring it completely back to the point to be made type of advice column that you'll ever read, dear listeners, if you've ever not actually read her. But she has, she's, she's uh, divorced and remarried and she, she got married pretty young to her first husband. And in one of the letters in Dear Sugar, I forget, but it was the gist of the letter was asking like, how come, you know, I, this person is perfect and I'm not in love with them kind of thing um, or some, something to that effect. And she talks about her first husband and how like it, they didn't get divorced because like, you know, they grew apart necessarily or like they didn't get divorced because they were fighting or disagree about different things. She's like, he was perfect. You know, <laughs> he was just like an absolutely wonderful man he continues to be a wonderful man but I just knew it wasn't right for me like he just wasn't a fit for me and it's just like talk about I mean it's difficult enough to be in the Blanche situation but talk about being in a marriage (laughs) and having to admit that you know right so anyway I just thought that was fascinating and it's not discounting the the class divide in the show but I just that one line where she goes I just know it's not Jake um really stood out for me and of course she reneges as soon as she sees him hunky in his tuxedo (laughs) but you know (laughs) right well that's also what i was gonna say well first dear sugar is also a podcast with steve almond um and it was wonderful i loved it so much so i really recommend listening to that um if you haven't but um secondly and and to your point about the wonderful and brilliant cheryl strade the physical attraction i think And sort of like the, you know, like the beginning of a relationship, I think you could maybe squash your sort of logical um, realization that like you're not going to be able to be in love with this person or you're just not in love with them or whatever it is. But once that wears off, you know, and I think it's like if you've ever dated somebody or um, I think it's mostly like romantic relationships, but if you've ever dated somebody and you have come to the realization internally that like it's just not working, you're kind of over it but you haven't had the conversation yet, at least in my experience, like everything that person does starts to annoy you and you notice it in a way that is like, oh my God. Totally. Like, you're just like, And I feel like we see that a little bit when Jake is late from fixing the transmission yes, or whatever. Yes. Like, you know, he couldn't call. And, you know, of course that's annoying and frustrating when somebody's late and they don't tell you, but normally you'd forgive that once they get there and tell you like I was helping someone and she's just so annoyed that's that's exactly that's the perfect other like an additional anecdote to what I was talking about earlier where it sounds like superficial things and it's playing really brilliantly to the Blanche character about like you know he wears white after Labor Day like he was he was helping another woman (laughs) and not me you know like other things like that where it's like very selfish of her but to your point like anybody would be like that would just be picking on the little things if you've already sort of convinced yourself not convinced yourself but admitted to yourself (laughs) that it's not going to go down the path that you want you know it's i i even blanche even though she'd be pissed off that he was late if he was the right guy (laughs) you know um and not just in a sexual way because of course they make up with i'll go get us that blanket and she has one of the (laughs) best sex sexy faces on the show when she <laughs> hugs the door frame and just drops her lower lip a little bit 
Yeah, and I know exactly. Anybody who fucking about. watched that episode knows exactly what we're talking about. Everybody listening knows what I'm talking about. That is like, <laughs> I, just, I rewound it this time. Like, I really, <laughs> it was incredible. Anyway, um, but you know, like he he comes in, he's perfect, of course. And not only did he help this woman, but he's like, hey, let me make it up to you. He's not. He's not even. Like, hey, well, you know, he, he doesn't even put up a fight over the fact that she's, like, pissed that he helped this lady, you know? And, of course, like, Dark oh. is like, I forgive you. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. And there's, like, a pornographic kiss. I wrote, like, wow, have we ever or will we ever again see a kiss like that on the girl? <laughs> I don't think I so. That's why she does the mouth open thing. <laughs> right, exactly. You're like, oh, well, I'm going to sleep with this guy anyway, even though he's not right for me. It's okay. <laughs> Yeah, that's like, okay. Of course, of course. <laughs> wow, what a hunk. <laughs> and then Dorothy, uh, there's like a funny exchange where Dorothy's like, oh, why can't I attract a man like that? And Sophia, you know, it's a little bit out of character at first because Sophia's like, oh, sure you can, like yeah. you can. And then Dorothy like doesn't press her, but it's like, you really think yeah. so? And then Sophia's like, no, but I'm not going to say that. I'm your mother. And it's a little bit of a departure from what we usually see, which is just that she's like disparaging the Dorothy from the beginning. Totally. So. Even Sophia knows that it's a special situation. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, that's such a like departure, and it is funny how like you know Dorothy's falling over him and like attract a man like this. And that's the other thing. The flip side of Dorothy and Rose, you know, sort of pressuring Blanche is part of that like you always do this right like when Blanche gets freaked out when the guy has a heart attack or like you know when there's there's so (laughs) many moments where she sort of runs away preemptively and they've seen her do that and they're like fuck I would give anything to have that situation you know like like what are you doing you're totally wasting it so I totally get their their point of view I mean that that ties in perfectly to Dorothy's sort of desperation there and if you think about it, they don't have the class divide with Jake. Both of them are from similar economic well, backgrounds. That's interesting. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I was thinking like, you know, Rose, Charlie was a mid-level insurance salesman, right? And they were, they had a farm and also he was a volunteer police officer on the weekend. <laughs> um, but Dorothy is, was a teacher and Sam was a novel, you know, like they're both very, very working class, very blue collar yeah. backgrounds. And so I feel like, what they think Blanche doesn't see in him, they wouldn't ever have that issue, right? right? Like, like it, it's what we're saying, there's more complexity to that, but if all they can see, at least at surface level, and at least initially, maybe before they really, you know, thoroughly think about why Blanche wouldn't want to be with this guy, it just seems like she's being uh-huh. classist, and for them, that would never be a, a boundary to right. date. And, like, if anything, you know, when we deal with class divides in, in dating it, later in the series, is with Rose and Miles, the opposite direction, you know, that, mm. that Miles is, like, <laughs> from this other, you know, hoity-toity world, and that Rose is, like, way more comfortable. Rose would love to get, you know, eat clam chowder and sip it out of a bowl, you know, in a wooden table where you didn't get a splinter. I mean, you know, she'd be right at home, you know. <laughs> Order off the kids' menu, man. It's all good. <laughs> yeah but it's it's interesting what you say about steven the guy with the hard check because i wrote that exact yeah. thing down on my my notes too she like they do they always think she's just running away for a superficial reason and sometimes like with steven i think it, it was and it was fair of them but this i feel like we ne- we don't often see dorothy doing you know like in the wrong for lack right. of a better phrase but i think here she's a little bit misguided yeah, that's very true that's very true but uh 
you know, again, Jake's really hot. He just has that effect. Yeah. <laughs> I can forgive her. <laughs> I forgive you. <laughs> Um, all right, so should we talk about yeah, the banquet? Yeah, let's talk about the banquet. Let's let's dive in. It's interesting that Blanche thinks she can go to the banquet where Jake will be where he's working, where they recruited him to work with another date and not tell him that she's going to not go I, with it's him. It's insane to me. <laughs> <laughs> so rude. Where it's funny because this is the Blanche character convincing herself of something being okay, right? Like, so you you were talking about before, like once you already sort of write someone off in your head, like, you know, everything else. You sort you sort of concoct this like new world that you weren't in before where everything they're doing is annoying and you're just like kind of checking the boxes in your head. You're like, yeah, this was the right decision. This worked. You know, you're like psyching yourself up for it. Well it's like she goes <laughs> way past it and without any communication, she's already written them off. So she's like, he knows. He knows we're from different worlds. And you're like, what? <laughs> Well, my date of the evening is Hunter McCoy. Also, skipping ahead, they had to make Hunter McCoy, like, super snooty because you're just like, wait, what? Like, he can't just be a regular doof that you date because you don't exactly date like this, this you know, aside from Richard and the Orient. Like, there, you know, like, there's not, like, a, a perfect, like, dude that's going to fit in more than Jake, you know, at this banquet. But then, of course, they had right. to make him say pecan yet comforting, and it cracks my shit up. Um, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but... I mean, I picture him with a monocle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the powder sticks better if you put a thin layer of caramel first. Hunter, you look skeptical. <laughs> um, he's learning everything. But anyway, uh, yeah, the you know the same banquet hall. Uh, <laughs> Jake is like there. It's it's implied, I guess, that they. Well, I guess you know they they didn't speak on after he proposed marriage, or basically told her he was going to propose. Um, oh my god. Susan Harris, you have to slow down. Every episode, there's a, I, I wrote that, I can't believe we've got talking about that, but another <laughs> marriage proposal. Or almost, almost marriage, marriage proposal, yeah. I guess. I don't know, man. I think it's like, it's the end of your life, man. Or the, you know, closer to the end of your life. You're just like, fucking go for it. <laughs> it's crazy to me. I guess. Max Wine. Oh my here. God. Okay. It's hilarious. <laughs> but, uh, so going back to what I was saying about Blanche, like sort of already writing this out in her head, like she understands. She explains this whole, like, we're from two different worlds. I can't go to the banquet with you type of situation. Like that conversation is so condescending. <laughs> she oh treats God. him like he's Awful. a preschooler. Well, you are from two different worlds, you know, and that's why I can't go to the banquet with you. <laughs> and you're like, oh my God, ouch, Jake. Not only like, Man, even if you were going to propose marriage, that shit would hurt. So, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I terrible. So I know. It's another, it's, I, I know. And it's like, it's quintessential. She had me in her corner right up until the <laughs> end. You know, like, it's like, oh, you were so, like, I was with you. We just talked for 20 minutes about how complex this is and, like, how, like, it's okay if you just don't feel the spark. And then you act like this fucking, like, rich, out of touch asshole. <laughs> She never left to another. Right up until the end. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Oh man. Oh. Um, okay, so at the, they're at the banquet. Um, Sophia has that line that's like, or is it Sophia or Rose? Who says they're going to squish that little black guy Prince? <laughs> no, Sophia says that when they're talking it when she when the aforementioned conversation when I'm like I I don't know it's just not Jake you know but then. No, I right. will persevere, and one day my prince will come. And then 
(laughs) I think Dorothy goes do you believe that you know because she's so pissed at her still that she's just like Mm -hmm. writing him off and Sophia's like I wasn't really paying attention (laughs) (laughs) so great Uh, but speaking of Prince actually end this banquet this very episode we need to give a shout out to Elliot Powell um, one of our first scholars that we interviewed to um, to talk about mm-hmm. this episode because he, he really discussed uh, what I do want to discuss now, which is the band that appears at the, yeah. at the banquet. Um, and just before we get into the band, I want to talk about the tryouts for the band. <laughs> I just have to mention <laughs> that I cannot hear a song by or the name of the band without saying it in my head like Huey Lewis and the news like I literally <laughs> the, I, I can it's just I can't say it normally it's, it's just impossible for me anymore um so that's how you pronounce yeah, it yeah that's exactly that's that's how you do it it's so great but yeah so let's talk about you know the jazz band um <laughs> that uh who Dorothy comes over and she's like hey something's amiss you know they're all men the all female <laughs> jasmine they're all men and she's like and i just love it because it turns like well what do we do and they're like nothing <laughs> they sound great what yeah. you know and it's like it's it's a nice moment because it's basically like well other people might be a group i'm like whatever it doesn't matter <laughs> then sophia runs in did you yeah. get a load of those queens on the bandstand and she's like shush and she's like what you don't think they know their queens <laughs> they don't know their queens <laughs> I know I love that and um when the the I think he is a trumpet and he comes over and he's like you think you're confused take a look at our seriously (laughs) and like the the sassiest like five o'clock shadow having like (laughs) it's just kind of amazing yeah but it's also it also made me wonder right because it's like oh my god years of watching Monty Python and just like I don't know insert like any old sketch show or any old show really going back there's always like there's such a humor like type <laughs> a, whole, a whole genre centered around it's just funny for a man to be in a dress period and it's like you know it gets a huge laugh and like I, I mean we're laughing now because it's like this like Sophia's reaction to the band and everything and I just as soon as you know the man appears on the screen with the with the uh trumpet i'm just like go into this like this is a whole (laughs) subset of everything and why is it funny like it's not it's not funny in the same way to see a woman in a suit (laughs) so i mean the baseline here is just misogyny like it's it's you are you yeah (laughs) but it's but it's fascinating to me right because i've watched this episode a million times growing up and like i said monty python it's like oh my god anytime just like one of them in a dress and then the the whole audience is in fucking stitches and they're like shitting themselves it's like the funniest (laughs) thing it's just they make their voices high and everybody loses their shit um it's but it's just so (laughs) fascinating that like when you really get to the root of it it's fucking gross because it's it's a it's a man sort of stepping down off of his pedestal to deign to to costume himself like a woman and it's like it's so messed up (laughs) yeah well so okay so i tried to answer that question because i had that exact same thought i was reading rereading the interview with elliot um, because i actually also never i don't know the band always seems such a small part it's funny because Um, like that and i walks on the screen it's like a minute left of runtime yes yeah there's like right so like when i was watching this episode i actually didn't even realize that this was the one that Elliot 
you know, like I know he was talking about the one with the band, but I, it took me a minute to connect those dots. Um, and he kind of talks about, you know, like his paper involves sexuality and like gender expression and all of that. So he does touch on a lot of this stuff, but I looked for basically just a simple answer to that question of like, why is it funny when right. men wear dresses? And let me tell you, I ended up in the worst misogynistic oh battles of the internet because, right, because, like, the thing that turned up was, like, men writing that feminists think that women are superior and, like, they're just trying, they're the ones fighting for equality. I stumbled upon the men's rights subreddit, which is awful. Oh, it's my crazy. God, dude. Obviously, I think everybody here knows that it's awful. Wow, the um, work of but, a scholar. <laughs> Bravo. That's that's gross. I know. <laughs> I know. The one thing that I found was this ranking of, um, it's, it's not exactly scholarly, but I think it applies to this, um, this instance. Um, it's like a pop cultural ranking of the different gender identities. Hmm. Um, and men, both homosexual and heterosexual men are above any type Ooh. of woman. And feminists are like thrown in, like for the purposes of the article, feminists were thrown in there um, lower than regular women, heterosexual and homosexual <laughs> yeah, women. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Quote unquote regular women. But that's, I like I said regular women as <laughs> yeah. opposed. I meant unqualified as feminist women, but uh, right. yeah, yeah. Dumb women. <laughs> I'm uh, sorry. It's not a very feminist thing. Women who say. really enjoy um, being at the lowing end of the, not being equal. And anyway. Yeah, misogynists <laughs> who happen to identify as women. Um, but so, but basically that is, you're exactly right. Like basically that's the thing. It's like, it's misogynistic. It does, it is obviously, it touches homophobia. Yeah. But it's mostly because like, it's funny to imagine a man, like a, at the highest level of society's pyramid, pretending to be a woman so low. And it's like, that is automatically funny, which is, yeah, speaks to the misogyny that's ingrained within us. And obviously, sometimes I think in this instance, I obviously think in Monty Python, it's not it's not meant to be that way. And that's, you know, like, it doesn't need to be perceived that way. But I do think once you see it, you kind of can't right? unsee right. it. And that's the thing. It's like the questioning of like, why you laugh at certain things, right? Because it's just like, it, you like you said, it's ingrained in all of us. And again, this is also a sitcom that features this a lot. Like we, you know, the, Phil is constantly a punchline and Phil's a little different from, you know, like Phil has like this cross-dressing, you know, I instance that we hear about. Then, you know, you have other, like, we don't know the reasons that Phil wears dresses. We don't actually know about the reasons why this right. jazz band wear, wear dresses or like how they identify, right? All we know is that this trumpeteer <laughs> walks onto, walks onto <laughs> the screen and, and the, the, his purpose is a punchline, right? Like that's, that is the, the yeah. situation here. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's really fascinating to sit there and laugh and go, wait, why am I laughing? And to really peel it apart. And uh, I, I appreciate for the, for the sake of scholarship that you went to some really scary places. Yeah. I just, you know, I bought the ticket and I took the ride. <laughs> I, had to, I had to see what they're saying. Um, but yeah, I think also, you know, I think it's pretty cool that the pun, like, it's funny, obviously, that he's a man in a dress, but Sophia's reaction to the jazz band being queens is great. She's just like, whatever, who cares? Like, they're, <laughs> yeah. you know, they're is queens. She, <laughs> yeah, you think they don't know? I mean, <laughs> she also has one of those, like, great 
Sophia shuffles where she sort of is like rocking back and forth even more because like more than usual because she's running in glee you know that don't get a lot I mean like <laughs> you know what I'm talking about it's just like that per- perfect yes. physical little humor and walk it's like oh my god can't wait to can't tell wait me. it's you got a shame oh my god um Speaking of Sophia, I, I just need to call out uh, the the line when uh, they're all discussing, like, you know, sleep to escape something. <laughs> and she's, like, she's like, oh, Dorothy's father used to do that, you know, fall asleep. Unfortunately, it was usually during fall, foreplay. And Dorothy goes, Ma, the man is dead. And she goes, longer than you think. And it is one of the best deliveries in this entire episode. <laughs> really incredible so i mean uh it's it's really great also another like sophia line that's that is wonderful and, and and again in terms of like not just the delivery of the line but also like the motion like we were talking about earlier with rose like that's not true they broke up and it's like part of the delivery of that line <laughs> is the way she moves across the room and sort of like you know like leans back to dorothy like so there you know <laughs> Um, part of the delivery of this one so was good. talking about like how oh, the stamp lickings drying me out. Like, why don't you use a sponge? I feel more comfortable drinking out of a glass. And she she says that line <laughs> as she walks out the door. <laughs> and it's it's even more funny if she was just saying it like sitting down. It's like everything, you know, it, it just goes to show again, like the writers can write something, but like you the actor has to really put it into the magic. That 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 is the end result. It's so great. Yeah, Estelle Getty is peak in this episode. I feel like she's, she's, you know, like, obviously she's not um, driving, she's not a major plot point, I guess, but her lines are just, yeah. like, gold the whole time. They really yeah, she's not even, uh, she's not even really a trickster in this one at all, you know? No. Like, it's just the, the hospital charity banquet, that, that's the B story. That's, you know, the framing of it. Yeah. It's really interesting. Um, in the earlier, um part of the episode where she's like he said he liked my moxie and i bet you like showing it to him he's also just a great play on the <laughs> fact that the word moxie is like such so a bizarre word yeah. it's very much like i can't even reach mine you know yeah <laughs> oh my god so good um well okay so speaking of lines that are not good <laughs> when so Blanche like goes back on her thing with Jake. She decides to tell him that she wants to be with him. Yada yada. It doesn't. It doesn't work out. Spoiler. She, just um, because she's horny for him in the tuxedo, which like you know Blanche. Right. Yeah. But she can't. And she should totally. know that, right? Like she should recognize it, but she she doesn't, or she doesn't say that at least. But when she like she's like reconciling it, she's like, oh, I'm just a stupid old fool sitting up on that broken heart. It's like, okay, come on. And I actually think this is similar to. Sorry, I'm still laughing. like. <laughs> I love when you take Blanche down. It's that she said. It's just like, come on, it's ridiculous. But um, the whole attitude reminds me a little bit of um in end of the curse i think she's sad yeah. about aging yep. not sad about jake here and like she kind of she says you know like she says something to that effect um but she's not able to recognize that at least not initially here and i think that that also actually i will nod to the writing because i i think that that's very realistic i don't think when you're in these situations you ever even the most um, sort of, you know, sophisticated or self-aware people among us are able to pull themselves yeah. out of it, I think, far, like, you know, like, in a far enough 
lens to see what's actually going on. But you know what's fascinating is that Dorothy, as a good friend, recognizes what's going on. She plays into Mm -hmm. exactly what Blanche needs to hear, which speaks to your dance card's going to be full for the rest of your life, right? Like that, the rest of your life implies the aging bit. Like you are going to be fine. Like you're basically going to coast and it's going to keep being opportunity after opportunity after opportunity, which is like how you live your life. And it's like, I mean, that's the, you know, and you know it, you know, I mean, like it's, it is the yeah. sass she needs. Like that actually that Dorothy's line of like, and you know, it is like your line, like get over it. <laughs> B Arthur is so good. Like in my notes, cause it's, I can't help myself that it's just so perfect (laughs) and it's a callback and it's so yes it's a callback and it acknowledges that Blanche is being yes all simultaneously (laughs) I mean it's it's really it's it's great writing from just the words on the page but also knowing the characters and knowing that Dorothy knows Blanche very well you know even despite her um you know sort of uh poking at her in in the middle of the episode when it's probably not really uh warranted so um yeah i mean it's just see i told you it's a really it's a really great episode yeah i would give it maybe like a b plus which is actually also the grade that oh shut up rose gives to it so i feel <laughs> feel validated you guys are using the same uh the same scale it's perfect i love it yeah um well yeah also just and for everybody listening you know talk about ellie powell's uh interview because it was so long ago all the way back in 2020 um, you can check out enoughwicker.com slash scholarship for Elliot's interview, as well as several other scholarly interviews about people who have even more interesting academic things to say about the Golden Girls than Enough Wicker does. <laughs> All right, cool. I well, know. join us next time when we're going to discuss forgiveness after adultery and using the power of suggestion to get your digestive tract going. <laughs> Take care.